Hey guys, it's Kendall from Recording Lounge. Sorry it's been a while since my last show. I've been swamped with work, which is a good thing, but uh, I feel bad for not having a show in a while. So um, I'm going to try to actually get two shows out. I know it's very, very close to the end of the month, but I've got a lot of topics uh, in the oven for shows. And uh, so <clears throat> the topic I want to talk about today is dealing with dynamic vocalists. So this is something that came up uh, on a thread that I was reading, and I think it's a great topic because it's really hard sometimes to record super dynamic vocalists, you know, uh, where they sound great and, you know, they're singing along and then they hit a super loud passage and um, all of a sudden stuff starts clipping and it starts to get really... Like the mic clips or the pre-clips or the converter clips and all this stuff or, you know, you have to stop and adjust the gain or you have to feel like you have to adjust the gain, you know, way low for the loud section, but then it sounds weird and weak for the other section, and then how do you deal with it in the mix? So let's talk about a few options for this. There are a lot of options that I like to use for dealing with dynamic vocalists, and for me, it starts at the recording level. Um, really, it starts at the performance level, and uh, so we'll talk about that and sort of go through some thoughts. So let's get started. All right, so... Uh, the first thing is that it really starts at the performance level. Now, I will admit, some people just don't have this in them, and it's not something that you can just teach in the moment. I mean, it takes a long time to really perfect, and it's the idea of working the mic, and I'm sure we've all heard this term. Basically, when you sing louder, you move away from the mic. When you sing quieter, you get closer to the mic. Now, some singers naturally get this. Some singers that are used to live will naturally get this, but even then... Um, you know, those singers are often used to a handheld mic, so they don't always get it, or they're used to having an instrument in their hands, so it's not the same thing. Um, so there's a few options. You can try using a, a handheld mic, you know, or a mic like an SM7 that they can hold and see if that helps, but that might not be, get, get the sound that you want out of the vocalist. So first, I mean, and foremost, you really need to be considerate of the sound that will really get across the tone of their voice and the emotion of their voice. So if that's a dynamic mic, then maybe that's great. Um, but if it's a condenser or a tube mic or a ribbon mic, then it can start to get complicated. So um, let's assume that they're doing all they can to work the mic, whether that's they can't do it at all or they're doing their best and it's still happening. OK, let's rule that out. Um, you can, I mean, you can tell them to, to work the mic a little more. And if they say, you know, what, what do you mean? Or, okay, you know, fine. You know, you have to explain it to them. That's fine too. It takes, you know, 10 seconds to explain. Okay. When you sing loud, you know, pull back from the mic when you sing quiet, but some singers, uh, this is awkward for them and they can't get it right away. And that's fine. Don't, don't make them feel awkward. That's worse. Um, so let's assume that they're doing all they can there. Um, the next thing is... You know, are they clipping the mic? Are they clipping the pre? If it's a condenser, they might be clipping the mic, but it's they. I mean, they have to be singing pretty loud on certain mics to to really clip it. Um, what I will say is, again, don't sacrifice the sound that you want um, for just for sake of volume. I mean, that's stupid. So if the mic is clipping, then you know you might have to turn on the pad. Um, the simple uh, well, I should say, the obvious response and perhaps the simplest response to this problem is to, you know, record in sections. 
um, you know, if the verse is quiet and the chorus is loud, you know, record the verse and boost the gain on the mic, then drop it down and record the chorus. Or one thing that I would prefer to do instead of that would be to record the verses, you know, in a row. So let them listen to the whole song, but, you know, tell them to only sing the verses, um, you know, just so they can still keep the vibe and they're not feeling like they're stopping and starting all the time because that can really kill the vibe of a session quick, depending on the artist and the singer. Sometimes it's totally fine and they, and they like doing it that way, but some people don't. Um, so uh, you can try that just recording, you know, section by section, uh, you know, all the verses, then all the choruses or whatever. Uh, you can try doing it in order. So, you know, chronologically. So record the intro, then change the gain. Record the verse, change the gain. Record the chorus, change the gain. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then the second simple method, I guess I should say simple, is to use a compressor. Well, the problem is that, you know, compression is great on vocals, and it's great even when they're singing quiet. I mean, compression just is a great thing, and it can make vocals sound really good, if even if not really used for level control necessarily, but used to kind of squeeze the vocal and make it really in your face, give it more of that tonal quality of being in your face. So that presents another problem that doesn't really fix this, fix the problem because what happens then is it sounds awesome in the verses. You know, you get the compression to sound right in the verses, but then it just slams the needle in the choruses and it sounds crushed. Well, you don't want that. Um, so again, you'd still have to adjust the preamp gain before the compressor to deal with that section by section. So while that might work, depending on how dynamic they are, it might also lead to, you know, it might still end up leading to great sounding verse with like perfect compression and then crushed chorus vocal. Um, or it might lead to wimpy, completely untouched compressor in the verse and great sounding chorus. Uh, I mean, so you're still dealing with the same problem. So how do we deal with this? Um, there's a couple methods that I like to use. If you're using a condenser, I highly recommend that you just go buy a phantom power supply, an external phantom power supply. They come in handy in situations like this, and they come in handy in certain situations. Um, it's just good to have one. I mean, I know most of you probably, and, and me too, I mean, most of my pre's, most every pre in the market has phantom power on it, right? So most of you are like, why would you need an external? Well, this is a great situation um, where using an external phantom power supply can work really well. Uh, another thing that I really think that you should go buy is a mic splitter. Radial makes a great transformer balance mic splitter that uh, will split one mic into two or three outputs. I think three, which is super useful, and I'll explain why. So, the I should say the first way to use this splitting technology would be to, so you run phantom power to the mic using the phantom power supply, and then you split that channel um, to the pre's. You then have the option of going to three pre's. So let's let's do the first simple option. So the first option would be to go to two different pre's. One pre is set for the quiet sections, and one pre is set for the loud sections. That way, you can get record both tracks, and then you know if it clips in the other sections, you're not really going to hurt your converters or your pre or anything. Just delete the sections that clip. This is a great method because then you get a great sounding vocal in a great level um, throughout the song. And you can just, you know, if it's too quiet in the, 
in the verses on the chorus track, then delete it. If it's too loud on the other on the other track in the choruses, then delete it. Um, the only problem that this poses is that, let's say on the quiet. Okay, so let's just assume for the rest of this that the verse is quiet and the chorus is loud. The only problem is this with this is that when you get to the chorus, um, let's say that the pre or the converter or whatever, the interface, is clipping. Well, that's a problem because they're listening to their vocal in their headphone mix too. So they're listening now to this like supercharged vocal because you have a, a pretty substantial level in the chorus from you know the second mic split. But then you have this like totally slammed, potentially clipping and distorting track from the first mic that's been boosted for the verse. So that can pose a problem too. So, well, there's a couple solutions. You can automate, you can mute that track in their headphone mix as they get to that section, but that can get a little complicated. And it, it, it distracts you while you're trying to listen to the vocal, the tone, the performance, the pitch, the all that stuff. It's distracting. Okay, so what then? All right, well, there's a couple of different options. One thing that you can do is um, you can use a compressor on these vocals also, but um, you might try splitting one, rather than splitting one mic to uh, two different pre's, you might try splitting one mic to two different compressors, if you have two different compressors. That way, you can have one that's sort of set for the verse where it sounds good, you know, a couple dB reduction, whatever, you know, 5 dB, I don't know, whatever sounds good for the verse. It's got that sweet spot. Um, and then in the choruses, you know, let's say, let's assume we're going to compress 5 dB on the vocal and we want 5 dB throughout the whole song, but the vocal level changes a lot. So we split our vocal to two compressors. Um, the first compressor is set up for the verse, okay? So uh, you might need a little more makeup gain on this one, but you set it to your 5 dB compression. It sounds great. It's in a sweet spot. Um, then you get to the chorus, and this vocal will then slam, right? It'll slam because you've set it to do 5 dB of compression in the verse. When it comes to the chorus, it'll slam. So it'll actually turn down quite a bit in volume. That sort of helps eliminate that problem that we were having uh, before in their headphone mix where it would clip. The other vocal will be, you know, a little quiet in the verses, but in the chorus, it'll be in a sweet spot, and it'll be compressing 5 dB and be at a substantial level, you know, for their voice. Uh, so you're sort of getting this cool little parallel compression thing going on where, you know, their voice is too quiet in the verses to really trigger the chorus compressor, but their verse is too loud uh, in the chorus of the verse track, if that makes sense, to really bother them in the headphone mix or clip the converters. So splitting one vocal to two compressors works really well and still retains a pretty good headphone mix. And uh, another thing you can do even in addition to this, if you want to get a little crazy, is uh, let's say you compress the, you know, the verse vocal 5 dB and the chorus vocal 5 dB. Uh, and so they have drastically different, you know, input and output levels. However, um, if you wanted to get a little more subtle with this, let's say you wanted to only compress the verse vocal 3 dB, the chorus vocal 3 dB, and then you summed both of these tracks uh, into one compressor that was compressing 2 dB. 
right? A little more mellow, but compressing 2 dB. So now you have the whole track sort of becoming this one super vocal track. And again, if this is all in analog, it's all in phase, you don't have to worry about latency or anything weird like that. Um, again, though, this requires you to have analog pieces. So we'll get to the mixing side later if you don't have these analog pieces. You know, what can you do in the mix about this? Um, but the same theory can kind of apply, you know, you can apply these concepts to the mix. I mean, assuming you have a dry vocal, you know, on on a track, you know, you could split the quiet parts to one track and the loud parts to another track and process them sort of like I'm talking about now. Um, so, again, splitting the vocal to these two compressors and then summing those two compressors into one compressor that's compressing very mellow uh, can then provide sort of this overall glued, you know, quote, they're singing better than they are type sound. Um, you know, they're singing more balanced and more, uh, I guess I should say, even than, uh, than they really are. Um, so that's a cool method. Now, then you run into one more problem. This whole time we've been assuming that we have, you know, quiet chorus, loud verse. But what about the singer that's super dynamic throughout both? You know, there's, like, lines in the chorus that are quiet, and there's loud verse lines, and there's, you know, quiet and loud bridge lines and all this. I mean, in one way, that's partly a production call where it's kind of like, well, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Maybe that's too much. I mean, are you following the band? Like, are you are you just, like, randomly singing, you know, quiet where you should still be powerful? That's a production call. However... Um, <clears throat> assuming that it sounds good, it's just a level thing. This is my sort of super vocal method that's a little more complicated, but um, can yield great results. So the only tricky part is that it requires you to be able to split the vocal into four different tracks. So I'll explain that now. So the first two tracks are essentially the very first method we talked about, which is you have a low volume track for the, you know, I should say, you know, the quiet vocal track, so that's set to a good level for the quiet vocal, uh, so the verse or whatever, and then you have the the loud vocal track, and these don't have compressors on them, okay? So these are just, you know, low, the low gain track, high gain track, and, you know, set them accordingly to what you need where, you know, the verse sounds good, the chorus sounds good. Now, about those in-between lines, then we have some difficulty because, you know, you might clip one and be fine on the other. So... You can work with those two tracks later in the mix if you need to, to comp them together, do what you need to do, um, and that'll be a good base. So those have no compression. Those are sort of your dry, when in doubt, they're going to work later, safety tracks, right? Then, so the vocal, again, like I said, there's four tracks. The vocal is split to two additional tracks. Those tracks are run to compressors. So the first compressor is very light, pretty mellow. Um, you know, anywhere from 1 to 5 dB of compression, lower ratio, and this track is just sort of in there, is sort of just the lightly compressed track for the whole song. So the output gain is not loud enough where um, it's going to clip, and it's not, the input gain is not loud enough where it's going to compress 10 or 20 dB in the chorus. You essentially set the volume of this third track, what I call C, vocal C, um, to the level of the chorus. So you have them sing the chorus and you set the compression and the volume to that and then just let it be in the verse. So if it's not compressing anything or if it's super quiet, that's fine. It's mainly for 
just sort of a general lightly compressed vocal. If it doesn't do anything in the verse, that's okay. So you have now you have three tracks: A, B, C. You have uncompressed, you know, low gain track or whatever, uncompressed high gain track, and then you have uncompressed. You have lightly compressed whole song track, right? Um, the fourth track, vocal D, is <clears throat> sent to a compressor that is just set to stun. I mean. Uh, totally crushed, fast attack, fast release, high ratio, you know, 10, 20 dB of compression is not uncommon in this scenario. I like to use an 1176, an LA3 uh, distressor, there's any kind of thing that can do this. Um, you set this to stun, and you set the level, you know, moderately, I would say about the level of the previous track in the chorus. Um, you know, let's say your your previous track hit negative 10 in the chorus, or negative 6 in the chorus, well, set the other track to about negative, you know, maybe negative 12, negative 14. And because it's compressed so heavily, it'll pretty much stay there the whole song. We're talking about compressing all the life out of the track. So, what you have now is four tracks. A, B, C, D. Low gain vocal, uncompressed. High gain vocal, uncompressed. The whole song vocal, lightly compressed. Whole song vocal, um, now I'm not saying you're splitting these tracks, you know, like only recording the verse on some and the chorus on some, but um, you, I think you get what I mean. You're, you're recording the whole song on all of them, but you know, one the A is set for the verse gain, B is set for the chorus gain, C is set for the sort of general whole song with some compression, D is set just below the max volume of C and just crushed to all get out. Then. If you put a little bit of uh, D in their headphone mix, you know, however much they need, and then put C in their headphone mix, you now have two tracks that aren't clipping, that you know for sure they're not clipping, and because you're essentially doing a little parallel compression thing, you have C, which is lightly compressed, um, but probably not doing much in the verses, probably not doing anything in the verses, but in the co choruses it's lightly compressed. And then D, which is totally compressed, when you blend those together you get a parallel compression thing where, you know, the C track is sort of just poking through here and there, the D track is just slammed. So, the good thing about this method is that in their headphone mix, they now have a vocal that is up front, in their face, the entire song, thanks to D and C sort of combining and working together. You have them hearing themselves perfectly, the whole song, loud as can be, provided that, you know, you probably want to put on their headphones and just make sure it doesn't sound awkward and, like, really pumpy and funny to listen to. But particularly if a rock song, they'll, if it's a rock song, they'll love this because their vocal is slammed right in their face, um, and, and they all, they hear every word, they can hear everything they're singing, um, it sounds good to them, because compression sounds good to people, <laughs> and, uh, and, and they can perform the whole song in a row without worrying about volume changes. And then, on your end, in the mix side, you now have four tracks to play with, um, and you can edit them together, you can, you know, work with their volumes individually, you can work them together, you know, if you want to cut out the slammed vocal in the verses, if it's too pumpy or whatever, if you want to cut out the, you know, the track A that will probably clip in the chorus, you can cut that out, and then track B that is probably too quiet in the verse, 
you can cut that out. So now you have sort of verse track, chorus track, and then C and D, the full song, uh, or maybe D is edited up too. So that's great and all, okay? So you have lots of options. I mean, I could keep going on and on about a thousand you know, different uh, ways to do this, but those are sort of my ways to deal with dynamic vocalists in the recording side. Now again, um, it really does start with their technique. It starts with the mic choice. It starts with you know, how they hold themselves around the mic. And it starts with you know, the flow of the session. If they're okay with stopping and starting or if you know, they want to do that, some artists like to do that. Some artists say, hey, can I just sing this verse over and over? And you can adjust the gain and the compression and whatever, however you want to do it. And you know, if they keep clipping on a, on a certain line, you can say, hey, just step back for that line. And they might be able to do it. Um, so you don't have to do any of these complicated methods if you can get it right that way. But um, what I have noticed is, you know, sometimes the best vocal sound comes from the singer sort of not moving too much on the mic. And I know that's totally counterintuitive to what I just said earlier, but to get that really upfront vocal sound on certain tracks, sometimes they need to just kind of stand right where they are and just move a little bit. And, you know, you deal with the level changes in other ways um, because the tone changes as you move closer and farther away from the mic, thanks to, you know, proximity effect particularly. Um, so the tone changes, you lose some bottom end when they, when they pull back. And sometimes you need, because usually what happens is they sing those higher notes or the brighter notes um, when they sing loud. And so sometimes you lose some of the body on it and it just kind of sounds thin and harsh when they sing those loud notes. Um, so if, but the, if they were up close to the mic, then you would have all that warmth, that body from those notes. And if you tried one of these methods, you would retain the, you know, the vocal that doesn't clip. Um, so there's lots of options for you. Now, let's talk about in the mix. Let's say you just have, you know, one vocal, okay, one vocal track that is just all over the map in terms of dynamics. Let's say you don't have a compressor and you didn't use that on the way in or whatever, or maybe you did and it's still just super dynamic. Um, how can we rectify this? How can we make this work in the mix? Um, there's a lot of options, very similar to some of the options that I just told you before. You can split the vocal track into two separate tracks. Um, you can split the vocal into, you know, loud lines, quiet lines, uh, into verse chorus, into, you know, quiet loud, however you want to do it. You can split the vocal up into, you know, quiet medium loud, uh, into different tracks and then bust them all to one vocal track. I will say, I do recommend, um, I always put the vocal to a bus and I leave the vocal track dry and I put the effects and the compressors and blah, blah, blah on the bus. And I'll tell you why. One of the best ways to deal with dynamic vocalists is to automate before the compressor and after. Because essentially what you're doing then is automating um, their volume as if they were singing you know, a more consistent volume before it hits any EQs or compressors or anything. So I will put the vocal on, you know, its own track and then send the vocal to a bus immediately. And I'll go through the song and automate the vocal um, dry with no compressors, no EQs, whatever. And I'll just automate that dry, okay, to try to get a very even level, as even as I can. And then 
on the bus, on the vocal bus, I will put a compressor. Usually there's a compressor, sometimes two compressors, you know, each one doing less than one compressor doing more. Um, on the vocal bus to sort of deal with sort of any wily peaks that poke out that are too much or to get a closeness out of the vocal. And then when the mix is basically done, I do the final vocal ride on the bus volume to just keep, make sure the vocal's always heard and just slightly above the music. Um, so that way, yes, it's a little more work, but come on, it's really not that hard. And it's very, I mean, it's very rewarding because that way you're not just stuck to the idea of, hey, look, I have to do a ton of compression on this vocal because he's so dynamic. That is a very, very bad viewpoint, okay? Don't ever think, um, if something is super dynamic, an instrument, a vocal, don't think compression is the answer. Personally, um, compression is not the best level tool. Uh, I, compression to me is a way to get things to sound different. So if you need something to sound punchier or closer to you or you know, more in your face and all these phrases like, oh, it needs to sound, you know, more smacky, like the snare has more attack or, you know, I want it to sound a little uh, less, less attacky. You want things to sound a little more even or you want things to sound a little more uh, in your face. Like I said, you know, all these different ways to describe it. I use compressors for that. I don't use compressors to control an unruly vocal performance. That is something that is much better handled by a fader or by technique or by, you know, splitting to two different pre's, or to splitting to two different tracks. So, again, I'll just go over that really quickly again. So, this is my favorite method for dealing with this in the mix. You take the vocal, uh, you immediately send that vocal to a bus, just a mono bus, and you automate the vocal early in the mix, early in the mix. Maybe the, maybe the first thing you do, right after you get sort of a basic balance, Maybe the first thing you do, I do this. Automate the vocal throughout the song before any compression, you know, before the bus, it's it's on the vocal track. And to get as even as you can, you know, don't go crazy with it, but get as even as you can with the volume. Then sort of start doing your mix and add a compressor if you need it. If you don't need it, cool. But uh, chances are you'll probably need it. It's kind of the sound of a modern vocal. Um... And then you add a compressor on the bus, not on the channel. The vocal channel itself generally will have nothing. Um, you add a compressor, EQ, whatever you need to do on the bus. And then when the mix is almost done, if not the last thing you do, you ride the vocal bus to make sure the vocal is sitting on top of the mix nicely. Um, so that's a great way to deal with um, vocals that are super dynamic. Now, there's lots of other ways that we could go into this, but these are some of my favorite ways to deal with dynamic vocalists. And keep in mind, the same exact thing goes for really any instrument, okay? Um, super dynamic acoustic guitar player. This can be really tricky um, for, for multiple reasons, because with acoustic guitar, you start getting into things like, um, well, when you play it harder, it sounds a lot different. And when it, you know he's playing super quiet, you get click bleed, and, you know, all these things, it starts to really get complicated, okay? When, you know, when singers or guitar players or whoever get super quiet, you might get click bleed and you might get noise and you might get all these things. So sometimes you have to automate the click um, up and down throughout the song as they're recording it uh, just to deal with that. Um, I highly recommend in those situations, you know, I know that Pro Tools can do this, but uh, not all DAWs can. 
um, you can automate it like you're automating a fader, the click level throughout the song. But you can record the click back into uh, your DAW on a track and automate that um, or cut it out or whatever. Um, you know, if there's a section with big drums, you can probably cut out the click. I mean, you don't need it in there. It's just distracting more than anything. But if there's a quiet section, I mean, ideally, the, the click is really only there at this point. I mean, by the time you're recording vocals, the click is really only there for the sections where there's no drums. I mean, if there's drums, why do you really need the click? Um, so most vocalists record without a click anyway, so that might not be an issue. But for acoustic guitar players, you know, you might have to ride the click up and down. And if it's on a track, you can automate it so you don't have to do it while they're recording. Um, you can automate it beforehand or whatever and make sure that the click follows along with them really nicely. And, you know, if there's a section that's super quiet on acoustic or whatever, or there's a sustained chord, that's a great place to cut out the click and then bring it back in a couple beats before they need to come in, you know, two, three, four, or one, two, three, four, or two, three, or three, four, or, you know, whatever, however they come back in to automate the click that way. Um, and that way you're going to deal with those click bleed issues. Um, for dealing with super dynamic performances, you have to make sure that your room acoustics are nice and quiet. You know, you don't have tons of ambient noise coming from, you know, appliances, air conditioners, computers, or people, other people. Um, you have to make sure that you're not getting lots of uh, air conditioner rumble because that can be really tricky. You got to make sure that, you know, all these things play nicely together. Because again, um, especially in smaller studios, I, I mean, the vocalist really can sound better up close to the mic because they start moving away from the mic and they're projecting their voice more into the room. And if the room doesn't sound good, then that's not a good thing. Plus, it loses that fullness and thickness that the proximity effect can add. Now, in a lot of cheaper mics, that proximity effect can be way too much. Um, but in a nice quality condenser, the proximity effect can help you. It really can. Um, and add a nice body to the vocal that sounds really up front and close. And that's a good thing. So I know that I've been talking nonstop uh, pretty much for 30 minutes now, but I really hope that this has given you some good things to think about. Uh, it's a really simple show, but uh, I, I know I went through it quick. But if you have questions, please, 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 please email me. Recording Lounge Podcast at gmail.com is always open to you. It's always a great way to get in touch with me about freelance mixing and mastering, uh, which I do for special rates for podcast listeners. And it's always a great way to just say, hey, uh, ask questions. I love all the questions. I love answering them. Um, I love them so much that I usually reply as soon as I get the chance. And I, <laughs> I look back and I'm like, man, that would be a great question to discuss on the podcast. Um, so I'm sorry. Sometimes I, I, I wish that I had... Um, a better memory to remember who all has asked me these questions, but I appreciate all the questions, guys. I really do. Um, I'm going to try to get out another show before the end of this month, and I promise I will get back on top of it. Uh, this month and last month have been nuts, so um, I will try my best to get out one more show before the end of July... August? Yeah, we're in August now. So, <laughs> Alright, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Send me an email if you have questions, and... Uh, Hope you guys have a good rest of the month. Hopefully you'll be hearing from me before the end of the month.